Comics. Comics. Welcome to the Omen Comics Podcast, where we talk about our experiences, influences, and tips on writing comics as the creators of the Omenverse. And as geeks, we often like to celebrate geek holidays, as well as talk about our favorite comics, television shows, and movies, too. I'm your host, Michael Nunley, and with me, as always, is my friend and co-worker, Steve Sellers. Today, we're going to be talking about the genre-bending 90s cult classic TV series called The X-Files. Now, the series was uh, created by Chris Carter, who was also a regular writer on the series, but he was not the only one. There, there were several other regular writers on the show. Um, it initially ran from September 10th, uh, 1993 to May 19th, 2002 on Fox. Uh, that show produced nine seasons, 202 episodes, and one film. Uh, that film was originally released in 1998 as just The X-Files. But you'll, if you buy it on DVD now, uh, it's called X-Files Fight the Future, in case you're looking for it. Um, now, that what was interesting about that particular film was that it took place as part of the TV series. I, I don't know of another show that has done that, um, except maybe uh, uh, Fire Walk with Me, uh, if if you if you want to count that. But um, uh, that that show was was picked up right where season five left off, and uh, brought you right up to the beginning of where season six started. Uh, that made it that made it really interesting. Um, during those nine seasons, uh, there were several, uh, many now famous faces that appeared on the show. Uh, we're talking people like Seth Green, who appeared in season one, episode two, uh, episode called Deep Throat. And Brad Dorff, uh, who did an amazing job in season one, episode 13, Beyond the Sea. Um, and Jack Black, there's a big famous name for you. Season three, episode three, DPO. And Ryan Reynolds, that's right, Deadpool, uh, was on an episode in season three, uh, episode 13, Syzygy. Uh, he was uh, pretty young in that uh, episode. I, I almost didn't catch him. And uh, Lucy Liu uh, makes her first uh, television appearance uh, in season three, episode 19, the episode Hell Money. And Brian Cranston uh, from uh, Malcolm in the Middle, and from uh, uh, Breaking Bad uh, appears in uh, season six, episode two, uh, show uh, Drive, which is a really good episode. You, you ought to check that out. And that's that's just naming a few uh, of those of those guest appearances. There uh, are about fifty altogether um, of people that are famous now that made a start on X Files. Um, now, fans of the show became commonly known as X-Files. Now, Files is spelt with a PH and not with an F. 
and that is a term coined from the Greek root file, meaning to love or be obsessed with. So an X file. I love that. I love that it sounds the same, but it means a different thing. Plays on words are really cool with me, but I am definitely an X file. Um, I was heavily into the show, even though I didn't start watching it until the fifth season. Uh, Sunday nights from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. became sacred to me. And when I say sacred, I mean so much so that I instituted a law for my friends and family called the X-Files Law. Now, that was that no one may call me or come over to my house during that hour unless it is a life or death emergency. And you have to have already tried everybody else first. <laughs> uh, I love the conspiracies on the show, not just uh, the, the main alien conspiracy, but how they played with uh, multiple different conspiracy theories on the show, and they really presented them well. Uh, they did a good job, I think, on the, the myths and the fables and monsters they did in the series, too. Uh, they they really presented it in a fashion like, at least at the time, where, uh, okay, I can see this as being possible. Mm -hmm. uh, but most most of all, uh, when it comes to the show, I loved Mulder and Scully and uh, their relationship in particular. Yeah, I think that's the main draw of it, and the, and it was the thing that got me into it too. And now I will say I was not that deeply into X Files. It was one of those shows that I kind of watched on off and on while I was on the air, but I did watch it regularly. I did actually see the Fight the Future film uh, in theaters, so I did. I you know I had some investment, but it was like not like one of those shows that I was into as much as I was into other things. I was hugely like into you know the Star Trek shows and Babylon Five and, and Highlander and things like that. But um, the X Files was one of those that was to me like one of those occasional viewing things um and and really it was Mulder and Scully I mean the concept was really great I mean the lead characters were really good um and and those were really kind of what sort of uh, kept me in and kept me coming back even though it was like an occasional you know visit with with people that I like you know um I like the take on the real world conspiracy theories um I, I really like the idea that they're playing in things you know, like alien abductions, you know, uh, like, you know, weird powers and, and all these kinds of uh, phenomena that are psychic and um, just things that um, were taken from the headlines and um, were just kind of played, is this real or not? Things you would find like on Ancient Aliens Today or, or one of those yeah. kinds of conspiracy shows. These things are around and they actually turned them into episodes um, and actually explored, you know, is there any validity to these things? using the characters of, of Mulder and Scully. And one thing I really liked is that they never write, really told you what to believe about them, even though obviously they had to have some fantastical elements to keep it interesting. But um, you had Mulder presenting the point of view of the believer, you know, yeah, I, I, I want to believe. And then you have uh, Scully who is, you know, more laid back, more reserved and saying, yeah, maybe we shouldn't buy into these fantastical theories. Maybe there's a, a more conventional mundane explanation that makes sense for all of these things. So I, I kind of like that you had these two perspectives, you know, constantly butting heads. And because of that, you learn more and they learn from each other as characters. Uh, so I really appreciated that. Um, but I was never quite sure whether the show was character-driven or uh, story-driven because it seemed like the Monster of the Week stuff was more story-driven, whereas a lot of the other conspiracy stuff was more character-driven, and the characters were really more kind of involved with things. So I really I never really was quite sure, you know, where to, where I fell on that uh, situation. Uh, what did you think about it? Well, you're not the only one to have that uh 
uh, question about whether or not it was character story driven. In fact, uh, there is a dividing line between uh, X-Files, the fans, and the creators of the show. Uh, to this day, uh, Chris Carter and the creators say that the that X Files was story driven, but I think uh, as you as you point out, um, it is it is the di dichotomy in Mulder and Scully, how they they approach they, they they approach things completely differently. You know, like you said, one's a believer and one's a skeptic. Um, it is it is that relationship that makes the show, and therefore, in my opinion, it is a character driven show. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I mean, it, uh, I, the thing of it is, is that the characters are what you keep you watching and what keep, and, and you're just really interested in Mulder and in Scully and their relationship, you know, it, the will they and won't they of them and, and, and all these people that they interact with. So a lot of that is what kind of keeps you there, you know, even though they have all of these, uh, you know, weird plots that they're kind of focused on at times. Um, and I will say I did like the Monster of the Week stuff uh, and probably the most. Um, and I will say, it's probably because I'm a huge Twilight Zone fan, and the Monster of the Week stories and X-Files were very much in that vein, uh, where they would just set up a situation, and Mulder and Scully would investigate it, and, you know, and you would get these very tight-focused stories, um, that kind of explored, like, this particular issue, or this phenomenon, or, you know, this kind of mystery, or, you know, sometimes going up against serial killers, uh, who happen to have, you know, weird powers or, uh, psychic abilities, and, you know, as with the pusher and whatnot. Um, so all in all, I found them a lot stronger. My main, uh, my main criticism, I think, of the series, and I think why I only watched it occasionally, uh, was because I kind of felt like the conspiracy narrative um, kind of felt like like it was going around in circles. Um, like, uh, they would pull the football away after leading you to uh, thinking that something was actually going to progress. Uh, so, you know, you would have a character that was ready to expose the whole conspiracy and he would end up dead. Or, you know, there would be a bit of evidence that would finally, you know, get to the bottom of things and then it would get destroyed. You know, or things like this, or the conspiracy would, um, you know, silence this person or that person. And so things would never really, you know, progress long term. It seemed like they took a step back and then uh, and then a step forward and then a step back. So I well, think that that kind of lost me a little bit. By comparison, though, I mean, if you think about a show like Supernatural, mm -hmm. which in my opinion should have ended around season six or seven. I, I would say it should have ended at five, but yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be liberal here. That <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, like Supernatural definitely had a circular feel to it, where it was just like we were just going back to the same thing, and like uh, it was always some kind of thing, just like you're saying, like where they would almost get it, and something would mess up, and it. I, I think that by comparison, uh, Chris Carter and uh, the team writing X-Files did a considerably better job at the uh, giving you just enough to keep you uh, following the carrot kind of a thing. 
Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I will say there are different kinds of, uh, of circular writing here. And I think the problem with Supernatural is that they are circularly writing with character development, where, you know, it seems like the brother's relationship always, you know, gets to the same place and they make the same mistakes and they seem to learn nothing from them, which is one of the things that I kind of find most frustrating about that show. Um, sure. X-Files didn't, X-Files didn't do that with Mulder and Scully. I will definitely give them that. Um, it was really just more like the plot. Uh, would sometimes go back and forth but it wasn't a case where I felt like the characters were going back and forth so on that point I, I can definitely see where you're coming from um, and I will say that the will they or won't they between Mueller and Scully um, was definitely one of the things that progressed the most and I kind of felt like yeah these were two people that had a real relationship that evolved um, and they kind of grew together, um, especially in terms of the romantic undertones, which was honestly, I mean, the, the, the fact that they were doing this for so long is probably what kept a lot of people coming back, um, as I'm sure you're, you're aware. You know, there was a perfect moment that describes both of those things that you're talking about, where there's things almost happen and then something goes wrong. And then there's that will they or won't they thing between Mulder and Scully in the in the X Files Fight the Future movie. Uh, they had just uh, left the thing from the, that cornfield full of bees and stuff, right? And mm -hmm. they're, they're they're out in the hallway, and Mulder and Scully are just about to. They had gotten a, in a little bit of an argument, and they're uh, they they they'd kind of made up a little bit, and they're just about to kiss, and suddenly uh, mm -hmm. Scully gets stung on the back of the neck by the bee. <laughs> bees, my God! <laughs> uh, but you know. Uh, that uh, that will they won't they thing uh, was quite a controversy back in the nineties. Uh, there were actually multiple sites online dedicated to Mulder and Scully's relationship. Uh, some of them uh, just wanting a relationship between them, and some of them uh, believing that one already exists on an underlying level. Yeah, and, and I think I can see arguments for both. I mean, I can definitely see like it, I was watching the pilot uh, not too long ago, and I really kind of felt like even there there was a lot of flirtation going on, and so uh, even if there wasn't necessarily an overt relationship, you can tell that it pretty much became one um, by that point. Um, so I think. I, for I, mm -hmm. I, hold on, I, I'd like to comment one thing that I have personally noticed about the show, mm -hmm. and that is uh, Scully tends to be, uh, you, in, and they don't do it in such a way that this is obvious, but if you'll notice, Scully is kind of possessive of Mulder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's her man. <laughs> you don't mess with her man. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, so, I, yeah, I can definitely see where you're coming from with that. Even even though she's very kind of cool, uh, there, the, the, when the times when she is very passionate about something, you know it. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I, I think we can kind of get into like a little bit more uh, character discussion from here and kind of see like, why do we like these characters so much? What is it about them, you know, that have made them last as long as they have and, and why that dynamic works? Um, so with Mulder, I think it's definitely true that he's kind of like a maverick genius detective. Um, now, it, it's kind of easy to like compare him to a Sherlock Holmes in some respects, but he's really not. He doesn't come across quite like that. Um, I think he's more defined less by him being a genius and more by the fact that he's a believer. Um, he's the person that, you know, has all these wacky theories and, you know, he's willing to accept the unconventional in many respects. 
Um, but that having been said, even though he believes in aliens and psychic powers and things like that, you know, he's not necessarily going to assume the first weird thing that comes to his head. Um, there has to be some logic behind it or, or something that makes sense to him in some way, even if it doesn't make uh, con conventional sense to most people. Um, that having been said, Mulder is the kind of guy who likes to mess with your head. And he does like to say things to screw with you. And sometimes he will say uh, outlandish things and spout outlandish theories just to get a rise out of you or to get a reaction. So you never know exactly what he believes. Uh, but he definitely does do that. Right. Uh, I, I don't think that's the only reason he does that, though. I, I've always got the impression that um, Part of it is uh, attempting to see if they're credible, you know, like um, saying something that isn't necessarily true to see if they're going to go, oh, yeah, sure, totally, you know, uh, and, and also wanting to see how far they will go, you know what I mean, uh, kind of test their limits, like, will you accept this totally crazy thing I'm saying right now? Yeah, yeah, I, I think he's very much like a, in a way, like he's almost like a psychoanalyst in a sense, and and I think he likes to play things to 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 get an understanding of people, and sometimes he'll do it just to just to get information from you too. So, because ultimately, he, he is actually very much a psychoanalyst. Um, mm -hmm. Part of his uh, one of the things he's famous for at the FBI is profiling. Yeah, especially with serial killers. Yeah, uh, which is which is like the focus of a number of the episodes that he that he's in dealing with serial killers is the fact he is a profiler. So yeah, um, but I think in the end he's most interested in the truth, whatever it happens to be, and from whichever direction it comes from. Um, and a lot of this is because he wants to find his missing sister. Um, he's convinced that she was abducted by aliens, and actually a lot of this is mixed up in the huge conspiracy arc, um, which I I think would take a little bit of time to kind of really get into. But I, it, it does kind of inform, like, I want to find the truth because I want to know what happened to my sister. And I'm not going to find out that unless I get the actual facts. Um, but at the same time, this also drives his passion for justice uh, against criminals, um, especially like the weird supernatural murderers that end up killing people. And I think this is probably why he became a serial killer profiler, uh, because he kind of relates to the victims um, who have lost family the way that he has, and he wants to get justice for them. Uh, so even though his situation is weirder and more outlandish, he, he does connect to the people who have lost family because of these uh, weird X-File situations. Right. I, I believe he also has a very strong sense of justice, um, a real a real strong, like, cemented, this is right and this is wrong kind of a thing. And um, I think that that feeds uh, his desire to, as the story is ultimately about uh, getting the truth out there. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, and I, I would say, like, I think this is probably part of the reason why he really can't stand murderers. Like, whenever he goes up against serial killers, he can be very single-minded. Um, you know, he's somebody, he was so laser-focused on catching this guy at any cost. Um, and, that, and, and I will say, it is a double-edged sword. Like, a lot of times it, it works for him. You know, in his dogged pursuit of these people, it usually does end up well for him. But other times uh, they can use him against him. Um, the first time that he went up against the pusher, um, the pusher actually used this against him, um, you know, to, to, to lure him into a trap. And, um, and, and so a lot of the times, you know, Mulder is um, very virtuous and he takes it to a very good extreme, but sometimes um, it can end badly for him. Um, at the same time, 
He will, uh, in his pursuit of the truth, uh, accept truths that runs contrary to his theories or things that he um, doesn't necessarily believe. Um, but he can put aside his ego because the truth matters more to him because justice matters more to him. So these are things that matter uh, to him. And I will say one of the reasons he probably gets along with Scully as well as he does, one reason that he does, um, is because he's willing to put aside his ego and admit when she's right. And sometimes she is right. Um, you know, sometimes her, you know, he's seeing these weird theories and that he's kind of blinding himself to the more mundane explanations at times. And, and you know, and when she proves that she's right about this, uh, he will usually admit this and credit her for it. So, you know, this is one of the reasons why they work well together. This is the reason, one of the reasons why they get along. At the same time, um, he really doesn't blind people who are completely closed-minded. Um, Scully is open-minded, but a skeptic. Uh, you know, she will open her mind to the possibility of weird stuff, um, you know, if there's no other explanation for it, um, rather than saying, OK, there's no way that this could happen and I'm going to look for reasons why. Um, and, 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 and Mulder seems to really love mocking these people, um, particularly like um, in the first encounter with Toombs, uh, there was an FBI agent where, um, you know, he was one of these kinds of people and Mulder was constantly messing with him. So, you know, he definitely has ways of taking this out. But I think generally he accepts skepticism if it's own and been minded, if it's honest. And uh, Scully generally does that. And that's why he respects her. I think I think he does more than like accept isn't the word I would use. Um, I think that he actually welcomes opposition, mm -hmm. um, but just an open minded opposition. Um, he he has said to Scully on more than one occasion that um, it was her open skepticism, for lack of a better term, uh, that was one of the things he valued most highly. It was one of the things that have kept him on the straight and narrow in his pursuit of this. Yeah, she tests his ideas, and and I think that that um, that he values that. You know, he wants to be sure that he's right. You know, and he's uh, because the truth matters more than anything, even in validation of of his own ideas. Um, but at the same time, he doesn't like compromising on the truth for anything. And this is what gets him into trouble. Uh, you know, he's gotten kicked out of the bureau at least once or at least put on suspension from the bureau uh, because, you know, he's just not willing to compromise on something he believes is true, uh, no matter how crazy he sounds, which he often does sound crazy. Um, a lot they of the do time, call him Spooky Mulder. Yeah, Spooky Mulder. He really doesn't care. And he and the and really the only reason he's been uh, he hasn't been kicked out like sooner is because um, he gets results um, and because he has connections uh, to the right people. I mean, his, his father was well connected, for example, and he you know he had he has all the he has this record uh, that that supports him. So yeah, um, but I will say that unlike a lot of genius detectives, uh, Mulder has this weird sense of humor, and this is one of the things I really like about him. <laughs> Um, you know, he's not one of these people who's like cold calculating and like Sherlock Holmes necessarily. I like those characters too, um, and I write them. But with Mulder, it, it, it's, it's really kind of interesting in that he will, um, you know, he has this weird concept of humor that he will express um, in different ways. And sometimes um, it's like we said, he, he will, you know, mess with people in order to get a reaction. Um, he can be very snarky a lot of the time. His humor is very deadpan. Um, and he will joke about a lot of the situations that are presented to him. Um, you know, sometimes it's used, he does this to disarm people. Um, you know, it's a way for him to deal with people who are closed-minded. 
Um, and, and I don't know if it's necessarily to help him deal with it or if it's because he wants to throw them off guard so he can introduce what it is that he wants to do. But either way, um, Mulder tends to use humor tactically, and, and that's a really kind of interesting thing. And sometimes he will even troll people, uh, which is one of the things I really find funny. I mean, you can find so many different scenes where, you know, he is just absolutely messing with people, you know, to get a rise out of them or to get a reaction out of them. Sometimes you're not sure if Mulder's even being serious about anything that he's saying or if he's just messing with you. Um, you know, he likes especially to go after villains. Uh, there was this one scene um, in the second encounter with uh, Tombs where he just goes after her, after him, because he's uh, targeting this other, this woman that he wants to kill. And Mulder kind of gets in his way and he talks about like losing his dog. And, and he's just absolutely messing with the guy. And Tombs is getting more and more agitated and he finally runs. And That was a great scene. <laughs> that was, it was hilarious. And not only was it hilarious, it shows what Mulder's willing to do uh, to, to prevent uh, a victim from being killed or to uh, find that out information. Like he will do this kind of stuff. He is a master troll and I have to respect uh, that about about him, um, and, and and I will say uh, the thing. One thing, other thing about Mulder is is that he gets more respect from his enemies than almost anybody except for Skulder, Scully and maybe uh, Director Skinner. Um, because um, one thing that that really kind of caught me was um, I was watching Two Fathers not that long ago, and um, the cigarette smoking man was talking to his son. And basically, he was saying, look, you pale next to Fox Mulder. Um, and that kind of oh. shows he really respects him. Like, you know, it, because Mulder has probably gotten closer than anybody to exposing him in his operation. So, you know, he knows how good he is. Um, and in addition well, to that, that, you, mm -hmm. that wasn't just uh, that wasn't just well, that hurt. I'm sure it did. Um, that wasn't, we find out later, that wasn't just uh, saying that Mulder was better. That was a comparison of sons, as uh, we find out Mulder himself is a child of the cigarette-smoking man. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure if that was literal or kind of figurative. And, I mean, in a way, uh, he is kind of another son, or at least maybe in some ways the son that he would like to have, but but not in the way that would that he wants, uh, in, a, in a kind of paradoxical way, which is really interesting. Um, right. uh, another, another person who really saw Mulder as a worthy opponent was the pusher. Um, and he respects nobody else, like... He, he would dismiss everybody, you know, thinking that they're not worthy of his time, including Scully and including Director Skinner. I mean, he had Director Skinner at his mercy and basically uh, mind controlled uh, one of his office workers into beating Skinner to a pulp um, and just kind of ran out. He didn't care about Skinner at all. But Mulder. Oh, yeah. I, I you know, I want to patch wits with that guy, um, even if uh, Mulder didn't necessarily feel the same way about him. Um, so I always found like that's interesting, and in tombs uh, as well as we saw uh, came to fear Mulder, um, and I will say Mulder probably came the closest to actually beating him. Um, he's certainly the one who catches him at the end of the, their first encounter, uh, for example, and and the fact that tombs ran from Mulder, you know, just because uh, he he started trolling him, I just think it was absolutely great. Um, <laughs> so the the villains the villains all respect or fear him. Um, but he doesn't get any respect within the Bureau because um, he, you know, he is spooky, as you say. Um, he's seen right. as a fringe kook by his own colleagues for the most part. 
Um, but I would say it's mainly been his success record. Um, you know, people that have been uh, supporting him. Um, I would say director Skinner has saved him more than once. Um, but, you know, but in the end, you know, he's somebody who has earned that respect because he is uh, as good as he is. Is there anything else you want to say about Mulder? Um, well, no, I, I think I think that 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 pretty much covers it. Um, other than I mean, what one thing about Mulder is that he tends most of the time when he gets into crap, it's because he's done it himself. Yeah. Um, he's very much like Lois Lane in the sense that, but he doesn't have a Superman to save him. <laughs> yeah, he has to rely on his wits to get out of it, and sometimes he has to rely on Scully to get out of it. So yeah, I can see what you're saying there. Um, and I guess uh, we can move on to Scully. And uh, yeah, and as we talked about, I mean, she's the skeptic. She's the one that challenges Mulder and his ideas, but she always does it respectfully. Um, and and she and she hugely respects him, and she has learned to over time. Even in the beginning, I think you know she definitely sees okay, this guy is not what my colleagues have made this out, him out to be. You know, he's somebody who definitely is a very good agent who uses uh, unorthodox methods, um, but he gets results. And, and I think she, uh, that's what initially draws, him, uh, draws her to him. Um, I would say that she has two basic sides, um, the medical doctor and the FBI agent. Um, but I think, as you also have said, uh, she is a practicing Catholic, um, which is something that um, is, I, I really did not know the first time I watched the series, and I didn't know that for quite a long time. But I would say that's another uh, aspect of her that's important. Um, as a doctor, she's really kind of concerned with her patients. Um, she's concerned with what science can prove. Um, but at the same time, she, you know, when, she, when presented with something that science can't explain, I mean, she's going to analyze it. You know, she's going to use the scientific method to understand it. Um, but, it, but you know, when she's getting this, like, weird alien corpse, and yeah, she's going to accept, okay, you know, maybe I'm dealing with an alien corpse. Fine. Um, as an FBI agent, though, she's more concerned with victims of crimes. Um, she cares more about getting them justice. Uh, one thing that I really liked was that when she was asked uh, to sort of choose between the uh, or the other FBI agents and Mulder, you know, she, her response was, I, my, I'm not siding with either of you. I'm siding with the victims. The victims are what matters to me. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say uh, those are the, like the main things. Um, well. I'd also like to point out um, that her being a Catholic not just uh, motivates her to have that concern for for life and justice above above all the other stuff, um, to be concerned for the patients and stuff. Uh, that 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 her her being a Catholic um, actually gives her the ability to accept these more outlandish things is she's because she's willing to have faith in a higher power in angels and miracles and stuff like that it does yeah i think that is what gives her her open mind yeah i think so and and i really love the paradox of this because normally when you think of skeptics you think of like atheists um and scully and and, and that really presents an interesting wrinkle where you have a skeptic who also is a believer she just doesn't believe in the things that Mulder is saying but she has her own faith and her own belief in things that are not part of the scientific structure um and yeah i think that does make her a little bit more open to you know things that she can't accept um because it's like okay i can believe in you know in, in angels and um, um, in, in God and all these other things that I can't prove. 
maybe I can also accept in things um, that Mulder is saying, except that he's actually presenting at least some basic evidence uh, to show that this might be possible. So I, I find that that's a really interesting uh, core conflict with her character. It's very, very fascinating. Um, but yeah, but and, and I will say that whenever that there, her different sides are in conflict, she's generally going to always side with the victims. She's always going to side with justice and her sense of morality. And, and it's very probable that her sense of morality is driven by her Catholicism, um, you know, because she does believe in life. Uh, she does, you know, believe in, in, in right and wrong in the conventional Catholic sense. Uh, so that does inform uh, the, the way that she believes in things and the way that she reacts to things. Um, and, and I will say this is probably also why she's a compassionate person. Um, she's always going to think of people uh, first. You know, she's not necessarily going to think of the case first or of the political situation or of, you know, what the government wants. She's going to think of what is right for the people she's trying to help. Um, now, I will say that she's very good at hiding this to a certain extent. Um, because she is a doctor, um, and because of that, she has a bedside manner and a professional front that she wears. Um, so th this is one of the reasons why I think I'm a little, I was a little surprised when I found out she was a Catholic, uh, because she's one of these people that is very good at, at kind of uh, hiding her true depths. Um, she, you know, she seems like uh, somebody who is simple on the surface, but then you find out that she's none of those things, which I find very interesting. Uh, but she will lower that guard around people that she cares for, people she really knows. Uh, Mulder, obviously, uh, Skinner to a certain extent. Uh, we also saw this with Cassandra Spender, who uh, she relates to uh, because they were both uh, victims uh, uh, that were abducted by aliens at one point. Uh, so, you know, because of that, she connects to people and she will lower the professional bedside manner around them. Um, but because she cares, she is sometimes caught between loyalties because she cares about everybody and she basically wants to make sure that everybody is uh, treated fairly. Um, and it, she may not always show that, but that's one of the things about her. Uh, she's very much the heart whereas Mulder is a little bit more, uh, you know, intellectual. And so you always get these different ways that they interact in that sense. Um, and I will say Scully is also the one who tries to work in the system. Um, she's somebody who will usually play politics. Mulder will butt heads. He doesn't care uh, if he's thrown out of the bureau as long as he does the right thing. Scully is usually the one that say, okay, you know, maybe you ought to knock off the kooky stuff <laughs> and, and try to play a little bit uh, more uh, politically so that we don't get thrown out of the bureau. Um, yeah, maybe don't punch Director Skinner. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that would be a good idea. <laughs> yeah, don't punch your superiors. That's always a good plan. Um, yes, and Scully's usually the one that holds him back from going too far. Um, and she will usually be the one to look for a diplomatic solution uh, rather than breaking the rules. Although, sometimes uh, Scully will break the rules. It's it's like, okay, uh, if there's no other way to get the truth and I have to go and uh, break into... Uh, Agent Spender's uh, office uh, and, and maybe get thrown out, I will do that <laughs> because uh, I, I, I care about the truth as much as Mulder does. Um, she, she doesn't dismiss things out of hand, uh, obviously. I mean, she's open-minded. She will listen uh, to weird ideas if she thinks that they're crazy. Uh, she will be persuaded with enough evidence. Um, you know, if you give her an alien corpse, she'll accept, okay, that's an alien. I can't explain this. Um, because she's more interested in truth rather than uh, confirmation bias. Um, rather than uh, confirming what she wants to believe. Uh, so, And she will take risk with her career for this. 
you know, uh, two fathers again, you know, she was had no problems uh, breaking into Spender's office in order to get some information, even though it would cost her or mold her their jobs. Um, you know, she had no problem going up against agents of the Bureau to protect victims. Um, so really, in the end, uh, Dana Scully is somebody who will disagree with him, but you will always respect him and his opinion, and the truth will always matter more to them. And that's and it's the and it's that that brings Mulder and Scully together. In the end, they care about the truth wherever it comes from or wherever it leads, and that's really um, what matters most. Right. I really think, um, in many ways, and this is why I think they would be such a good couple. Um, mm -hmm. But on the same token, that might ruin their relationship. I don't know. Yeah, I um, kind of wonder if that's why they why they've never got together for so long. Right. Uh, I. <sighs> Between they, they, it's like it, in, it. To quote Jerry Maguire, uh, uh, you know, Mulder would say to to Dana, "You complete me." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do. They do complete each other completely. I mean, they balance each other out absolutely perfectly. Uh, she grounds him, um, and he kind of pulls her out of her conventional thinking. Um, it is a, a great relationship, and the thing is, they're going together in the same direction. They want the same thing. Um, so yeah, they are perfect as a couple, and they're perfect as uh, as partners. And 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 you really kind of wonder whether how whether it's like they they they're kind of afraid that being a couple would make them less effective as agents, and and so maybe that's why for they never acted on it for so long. Right. It's it's really all these elements that we've been talking about here between Dana and and uh, Fox. Between uh, the alien conspiracies and the and the creature feature stuff going on, the uh, all is really all of that that made the show so so great, so unique. Um, you know, I I, I tried uh, recently to uh, put X Files into a genre, and you really can't pigeonhole it in, into one area. True. Yeah, I would say that when it comes to genre, I mean, you might say that okay, it might be a horror or a suspense story, but not always. I mean, sometimes they're 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 very much a cop story where they're going after a serial killer, or sometimes they're you know just kind of investigating weird alien stuff, and it's more science fictiony. Um, so yeah, it's all over the place, and I think that that's one of the things that makes it um, so unique. And I think that um, from here we can kind of look to see where they got this from. Um, I, I think that probably one of the biggest influences was Twilight Zone, which also did very much the same thing. It wasn't necessarily one thing. It was a lot of different things. And it also focused a lot on single episode stories uh, that were tightly focused. And I think that, that both shows um, have their strengths in that respect. Um, and another one um, that was mentioned a lot uh, by Chris Carter particularly uh, was Kolchak the Night Stalker uh, starring Darren McGavin in the 70s, uh, who was a reporter who was also um, investigating weird things. And so this was one of the big influences that Carter used to create the X-Files. Um, and because of this, um, the influences ended up passing on to other shows that came after that. Um, Supernatural, for example, uh, is definitely a show in the vein of X-Files investigating urban legends uh, rather than, you know, kooky conspiracy theories. And, and honestly, some of the same people were really even involved. Uh, Kim Manners, who was a supervising uh, executive producer, uh, was on Supernatural and on X-Files, for example. So, you know, there were definitely people that showed up in both shows. 
uh, Fringe um, by J.J. Abrams was uh, very much a show in that uh, in that vein, and it very much dealt with uh, more super science weird stuff. But uh, you know, but it also dealt with FBI agents and those kinds of cases. Um, Lost, I believe, and Warehouse 13 are also among those. So you know, this show was all over the place, and uh, and it had a lot of cultural impact. And I think to this day, it still does. You know, you could say uh, Abrams was very influenced uh, by. X-Files as both Fringe and Lost um, were heavily influenced by it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that 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 pretty much covers the you know that nine seasons uh, that they that they put out there. But um, what uh, many might not know is that uh, after the show and even a little bit during the show, there were X-Files comics. Um. During the third and fourth seasons of the X-Files, uh, Topps Comics converted the TV series into comic book form um, with, with quite a few liberties uh, that, that fundamentally changed Mulder and Scully's characters. Um, you know, as we've been talking about, it's their, uh, uh, their, their opposite paradigms uh, that, that make the show work. It is their, it is them uh, coming at it from different points of view uh, that makes their investigations flow so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that is essential to it. And in in those tops comics, um, the the writer kind of boiled it down to simply being uh, the only difference between Mulder and Scully was their modes of investigation rather than their belief structure. Yeah, I can definitely see where that wasn't the case. I barely remember that series. I think I, I picked up an issue and I just put it down and I never went back to it again because it didn't really feel like the X-Files to me, but it's been so long since I read it that I don't remember any details. But I mean, you know, it lasted a long time, so I guess the power of the show managed to endure uh, in the comic series, even if they didn't get it quite right. Right. Um, I didn't. I I didn't appreciate it because... If you're going to take a show and turn it into comics, then you need to take the show and put it into comics, not change mm-hmm. the show. Yeah, definitely. Um, in June of 2013, the X-Files would return to comics uh, with a season 10, uh, now published by IDW. Um, however, uh, this series followed uh, Mulder and Scully after the events of the X-Files I Want to Believe, which is... Uh, almost, uh, almost a standalone kind of film. Uh, like at the time, it wasn't really connected to anything we had seen on X Files before. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was a new story and new characters doing a whole new thing. Um, but uh, the series followed uh, start started uh, about six years after the original nine series aired. Uh, it was written by Joe Harris. Um, and Chris Carter himself would be the executive producer. Uh, he provided feedback uh, to the creative team uh, regarding scripts and outlines uh, to keep the stories in line with existing and ongoing canon. Uh, the series restarted the, the series mythology, which I didn't like. And the first arc of the story focused on seeking to bring the mythology of the alien conspiracy back into a more up-to-date, more paranoid, post-terror, post-WikiLeaks kind of thing. Um, and, 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 but they did do uh, some things in it which I liked, which were they did some sequels to the Monster of the Week episodes from the original series. Um, 
that that series uh, concluded in uh, July. It, it concluded on July 1st, 2015. I can talk, I promise, um, after 25 issues. Yeah, um, I, um, I, if I can add, um, it sounds like they did this uh, book very much like Buffy Season 8 uh, did, uh, where Joss Whedon would be the executive producer of the book, and then there would be all these other people that would end up writing it, um, and that would just kind of lead, and it would be in a season structure. Um, I, I think there's definitely um, merit to that approach, and it sounds like they, they did it decently. They did. I just didn't like. I wanted season ten to be a continuation, you know, like pick up where season nine left off, not a uh, a, a redoing the series. Yeah, I can understand. Um, yeah, uh, so I was actually, I actually really liked the season eleven uh, that came out from IDW, although it was only an eight issue series, uh, but it was more a direct uh, continuation of the of the TV show, again written by Joe Harris. Um, now, when it comes to uh, the X Files, there were some spinoff stuff. Um, for instance, uh, the Lone Gunman series, which actually ran uh, while the series was on uh for uh, but towards the end in uh from march 2001 to june 2001 uh the only 13 episodes um now the trio was introduced uh in the first season episode uh ebe as a way to make Mulder appear more credible uh they were originally meant to appear in only that episode but due to their popularity they returned in the second season episode blood and became recurring characters it was canceled so quickly due to poor viewership, it was not well received. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it basically, like, we all tuned into that first episode and then we realized how much it sucked and we quit watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess they didn't have the staying, the staying power of Mulder and Scully. I, I have a feeling they were influential, though, because uh, the Ghost Facers and Supernatural uh, kind of remind me a little bit of the Lone Gunman. Right, right. Um However, they did introduce, in August of last year, uh, Fox announced that an animated comedy spinoff called uh, X-Files Albuquerque was in development. I don't know anything about that, but that sounds interesting. I'm expecting it to be some kind of a Lower Decks type of deal. I would say I would either think that or like Bugs Bunny. I knew it should have taken the left turn at Albuquerque. (laughs) Right. That is my first thought whenever I hear the word Albuquerque. (laughs) Um, so the X-Files did actually come back to television with yet another 10th season. Um, on uh, January 4th, 24th, uh, 2016, uh, they started a six-episode 10th season, which concluded on February 22nd, 2016. This short but sweet season was well-received and led to a 10-episode uh, 11th season, which ran from January 3rd, uh, 2018 to March 21st, 2018. Um, in addition to these, uh, into the television series, two feature films have been released. As we already discussed, there was the 98 film um, that uh, took place as part uh, of the continuity between seasons five and six. And then there was the X-Files I Want to, I, I Want to Believe uh, movie, which uh, ended up making more sense when they finally did release those 10th and 11th seasons as it tended, it seemed to pick up from there. Yeah, I don't think I ever saw that one, but uh, I, I did see the first one. 
All right. Well, unless you got anything to add, I think that was pretty much X Files. No, I think we pretty much covered it. I mean, it's a show that uh, definitely has endured for a lot of reasons, and um, I would say that it definitely has an impact on on Omenverse in many ways. Um, you know, I think it's one of those it's one of those things that you know the conspiracy stuff is always going to kind of be on the back of people's minds, and and it's just fun uh, stuff to explore. So the, the show did a really good job with it. It did. Uh, it's it's still one of my favorites. Um, I mean, I've seen all the episodes several times, and I keep watching it. Um, it it's uh, it's I I guess I'm very endeared to it. So anyway, thanks for celebrating X Files Day with us, guys. And uh, I hope uh, maybe if you weren't an X File before, you're an X File now. Uh, you guys have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Omen Comics podcast. This has been Steve Sellers and Michael Nunnally here with Omen Comics. And uh, we encourage you to look into all our Omenverse titles, wherever they might be sold, including Comixology, Amazon, uh, Draw Me and Comics, and elsewhere. Uh, if you like our content, please like, subscribe, hit the magic bell for notifications. And until next time, we'll see you in the Omenverse. I hope you've had fun hanging out with us today on ORP. I know that Steve and I have had fun making this episode. If you've had fun too, we invite you to share this episode and help us get the word out. For our Spotify listeners, we ask you to please rate our show as well. That can really help to grow our audience. But to all our listeners everywhere, we want to say thank you for listening and we'll see you in two weeks.